Welcome to Ellas, a bi-weekly podcast made by Latinas for Latinas. We talk with talented, inspiring, and empowering women that are living their dreams and making a path for the next generation. I'm Brenda Hernandez. And I am Brenda DeShazer. And this is Ellas. Hello, and welcome back to Ellas. Uh, We are on our seventh episode, and we have a very special treat for you guys. We have a career coach, author, and CEO of her own business, Michelle Gomez. Hi, guys. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you. So excited to have you here. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. This is amazing. I'm really proud of you guys for what you're doing. This is awesome. Thank you. We are proud of you. We definitely Instagram stalked you. And (laughs) we were just getting inspired as we kept on scrolling through. So, Michelle, tell us your story, who you are. So, my father is Mm -hmm. Mexican-American. I understand that his family is from Chihuahua, Mexico, the Mejia family. And my mother and her side of the family are from Guayaquil, Ecuador. So, I have uh, the Latino and Hispanic part of it. I was raised more in the Ecuadorian background. Um, For those who have read my book, you understand that my father wasn't really in my life. So, um, but... I married a Mexican-American, and when I started having children, you know, being here in Southern California, there's a lot more immersion in the Mexican culture than it at Ecuadorian. It's very hard to find even just an Ecuadorian restaurant. Right? That's true. I've never I've never come across an yeah. Ecuadorian right? restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. So um, it found, I found it easier to immerse my kids into the, the Mexican culture here, and so I practice that stuff here. Awesome. So for you... Do you identify as Latina? Did I get that right? Yes. Yeah, I actually, Latina, Hispanic, you know, I feel like um, it's, it's, we're, I call it equad mix. Oh. Yeah. And there's some of us in my family that have that combination. Like I even have some cousins. um, My cousin Louis married a Mexican woman named Celia. And so their son, Andre, is equad mix. So it's, uh, it's like Ecuadorian Mexican, right? Um, but I identify as Latina. I understand and appreciate the Hispanic part of who I am. Um, but I'm first generation Latina American born here mm-hmm. as far as my Ecuadorian side of the family. So my mom and everyone was born uh, in Ecuador. And then my mom married here and I was born in 1980. So. And growing up, was that really you know, difficult being able to living in like, you could say like three cultures, you know, Ecuador, Mexico, and the U.S. Was it difficult for you while growing up? Um, I think, now I didn't really get a whole lot of the Mexican sort of traditions mm-hmm. with myself growing up because my dad wasn't around. And, um, and so I just kind of mostly Ecuadorian, mm-hmm. you know, all the culture, all the traditions there. That's what, how I was raised. But then when I started opening my heart to the you know, Mexican side of me, you know, and that took some, some healing, yeah. you know, because there was some pain behind, you know, my father being absent. And I didn't feel particularly attracted or even welcomed mm-hmm. by that side of myself. But the more I started to see the beauty behind it, and I wanted to make it beautiful for my daughters because, you know, we live in a society where, beauty is defined a certain way right and um i just wanted to show my daughters i wanted to immerse them around latinas and like look at these beautiful women like these are your sisters like these are beautiful intelligent strong traditional women and they they just like beyonce says 
she just woke up like this. Like there yes. are people yeah. paying, <laughs> there are people paying real money to look, to like, look us. like us, and we just out the womb. You know what I mean? So I'm like, like I do say these things to my daughters, and I put them around authentic music and authentic food and and stuff, so that they can see the beauty in just who they are and don't feel like they have to show up different. Yes. yes. And did you ever felt like that while you were, you know, growing up? Felt showing up different? And, like, was that always, like, something that made you maybe not get your full potential while you were young? Because now you're, you know, an accomplished business coach and you have awards and you're an author. But did you ever, what, were you confronted with those obstacles? I think, yeah, I mean, I talk about it in my book. Imposter syndrome in Latinas is really prevalent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's I mean, because you have not just imposter syndrome, I mean, it just being uh, uh, something experienced by 70 percent of population, you know, but a feeling like inadequate, like undeserving, mm -hmm. um, like a like a phony or a fake. Right. But then you add to that the cultural implication of the doors you're trying to open and the people that came before you don't look like you. Yeah. Right. And so when I first started my career, um, I did it in the supply chain industry. Uh, and I'm still active in that industry today. And it's a male-dominated industry. And when I started, it was all middle-aged white men that were getting a seat at the table, mm -hmm. that were invited on projects, that were being promoted. And so I had to break down a lot of barriers. And a lot of the firsts that I attained in my career, I was the first woman, the first Latina, and the first one, the youngest, to had achieved that role. And so it was very hard to really grasp my Latinidad at one point because I felt like I had to assimilate yeah. in order to be taken seriously. And it wasn't just culturally. I mean, just sexually, you know, because I am a woman and you're in a male-dominated industry. So you have to confront things like misogyny. And there were times that I couldn't confront it. I was just too weak. I was afraid um, to bring attention to myself as like oh we don't we can't joke around the 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 sensitive latina because you know we don't want to upset her and create a problem and i didn't want to create a problem i wanted to be taken seriously respected and if that means that i had to figure out a way to to be around these men and not be offended by their comments mm -hmm. um even if they weren't directed at me but just talking about women in general i just had to learn how to do that but it was hard because i come from a culture where you know, there you either get super machismo, right, or you get really um, dominant women. I was raised by dominant women. My mom's a very strong woman. My grandma, super strong women, and so it was very hard to step into the space. Like if I had been raised by machismo, then I'd probably be able to deal with that environment a little bit better. Mm -hmm. But that's not how I was raised. Mm -hmm. So. It was hard. It was hard to hold on to my Latinidad while still trying to f make my way, make a name for myself in my career. Yeah. And so I eventually just, you know that saying, have you ever seen that meme, work so hard that eventually you don't have to explain who you are? Yes. So I, I was able to do that. I was able to just work my tail off and eventually people stopped noticing me as the Latina in the room mm -hmm. and That's it's just, I have a name now. Oh, Michelle. Yeah. Michelle's going to be here. Michelle, we're going to put Michelle on that project. Or let's get Michelle involved. Yeah. You know, and it was less about what I looked like than what I stood for. But I realized that 
that's not the experience for everyone. So I'm willing to take a step back and not, I don't want to be like, okay, I've gotten here. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to worry about everyone else. It's like, no, I still have two daughters that I would like for doors to be opened for them without them being concerned that they're the wrong ethnic background, the wrong gender, the wrong age to want to have whatever level of ambition they want for themselves. So that's why I decided, okay, if I'm going to put out this book and I'm going to launch this business, I want to be able to advocate and focus on elevating women of color, ensuring that we close that Latina wage gap and create more open spaces for Latinas to step in and thrive both at work mm -hmm. and at home. Yes. Going back to imposter syndrome, because me and Brenda have definitely gone through the whole imposter syndrome and trying to define it, but I think that since you wrote your book on it and touch on it a lot in your book, um, can you define imposter syndrome for us and give us the listeners a couple um, examples of what imposter syndrome is? So imposter syndrome is a behavioral phenomenon where ambitious women and men, but we're, since we're talking about women, struggle with being able to really internalize their success. Rather, just giving everything else external credit for what you've done, what you've accomplished. Sort of, this was handed to be my mistake, or this was, I didn't earn this, you know? And um, it's very hard to really sit in your brilliance and really sit in your accomplishments and say, wow, I did that. I worked really hard for that. I deserve to enjoy it. And that's, that's the thing about imposter syndrome. It's less joy, more shame. You know, and so when you carry that sense, so even if you get to be CEO, you know, you get to be the director or VP or senior mm -hmm. VP. If you don't really sit in your brilliance and you realize like, no, I was put here for a reason because I can do this and because they believe in what I can do, then you're going to make poor decisions. You are going to require so much validation. You are going to be making every move you make will be out of fear, you know, and you're just, it's kind of like, being scared that the talent police is going to come and tap you on the shoulders like, hey, we figured you out. You got to go. Yeah. And that's no way to live, you know. And I got tired of living like that. Because when you do live like that, you run yourself rampant, working really, really hard to try to prove to the world, like, see, I deserve to be here, only so that you can go home every day like, okay, cool. I fooled them one more day. <sighs> Tomorrow's another day of trying to keep him, keep the facade up. But it's like it's not a facade, you guys, you know. So when I when I took time to really examine it and I started to change the way I spoke to myself about myself mm -hmm. I realized it's not a race it's a journey and it's just mine and no one's going to show up and be Michelle Gomez anywhere else it's just there's only one of me and so I just focused on owning that and stop trying to make everyone else to prove to everyone else that I deserved it. I had to know I deserved it. And when I started doing that, my career expanded even further. I mean, more opportunities, more attraction of people, the right people, the right opportunities, the right financial situations, the right everything. And I'm like, I have to share this with women because ladies, if you just show up and, and just be your brilliant self, just be good at what you're good at and stop trying to be the jack of all trades or try to be better than whoever's next to you it life just has a beautiful way of responding and I want every Latina to show up like that to, to work to, to marriage to parenting it's just there's only one you so just be the best you you can be so that's what I hoped I, I did with my book wow. wow and it's so true what you say that 
and mostly, you know, in all cases, it can happen to anyone, right? Having imposter syndrome, but most in Latinos and Latinas, because there's this sense of you have to be humble and you can't brag about your, you know, what you accomplished. And it's so ingrained in our culture of like, you have to be humble and you can't say it. And it's like, you're like kind of manipulated from a young age. Mm -hmm. And then when you're surrounded by the environment and like being like working, it's, it's really easy to fall into that. Well, because you know how it, our culture is. I mean, humility is wonderful, but it's not going to get you ahead. And women have a difficult time advocating for themselves anyway. I mean, think about it. If I, let's say I'm, we work together, okay? And I go up to you, Brenda. First Brenda. <laughs> the second Brenda. I don't know how you guys want to be talked, mentioned. Totally fine. Okay. Yeah. So let's say, hey, I am going to, I need to uh, fill this position, a really important project manager position. I'm thinking of bringing in Brenda. What do you think if we bring in Brenda? You would go into it like, oh, she'd be great. Like, she's really on top of her stuff. People love working with her she's well respected she'll do a fabulous job at that project you would advocate for her in a heartbeat That's right very true, yeah. but mm -hmm. if I would go hey I would I think you should like if, if I wanted to offer you the project management job what would, project mag management job what would you say like, how do you feel about that you would stutter yes it's right like, kind of like stumble. stopping like I'm getting chills like I don't know like what do you yeah. what do you want me to say <laughs> right like. and so see how easily you would advocate for your sister, but you wouldn't advocate for yourself because we just, there's a lot of it. There's the humility, right? Um, and unfortunately, there's a word around Latinos, as, as Mexican, as Mexicans especially, that looms around ambitious women, sangronas. Oh, yeah. So you have a little bit of that, mm -hmm. right? And um, this is why I'm like, it has to be less about each other and, and more about focusing on how you can be the best version of yourself. And so this is why I think addressing the imposter syndrome is going to make space for every Latina to step into her vision of excellence and be her best self, her best self, mm -hmm. not what culture tells you to be, not what your mom tells you to be, not what your, your sister, maybe she's a Susie homemaker and her and uh, her kids are well behaved and, you know, great. Well, those you have to be you. And so it's that measuring stick needs to be placed in your hands and not somebody else's. Yes, especially because you have to show up like not for just yourself, for your own self-confidence, because I feel like that's something that we're lacking, not as just Latinas, but also as women and well, Latinas, too, for me. Um, <laughs> but also, I believe, like, since you're a mom, too, you're showing up for your daughter, you're raising the next generation to be these stronger women and being proud of who they are and being confident and wearing their own skin into every job they show up to every school they go into every event they go into and it shows and you know that like since you've been through it they're going to get the best opportunities and chances and they're going to make those come to them there's going to be like a magnet for them yeah um, i would hope so that's yeah. the goal right <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um but yeah going you do have a lot of titles for you. You have CEO, you have author, you have mom, you have career coach. How did you do it all? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the career stuff, it just, I, I just, I was working since the age of 16. So I was always, um, I was raised by a single mom, you know? So I watched my mom struggle financially and I didn't want to add to her strain. I, cause I was the, I'm the oldest. Mm -hmm. 
all my siblings are younger. So I was, and being single, she's she really leaned on me for a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would pick up my my siblings from their classrooms, bring them home, right, and then mostly my little my brother right behind me because I have a six a brother who's sixteen years apart. I didn't really have much of an engagement with him because I was already kind of grown up. But yeah. my little brother David, I would go get him from his classroom. We'd walk from our elementary school to to our apartment and we would stay home for like at least three hours by ourselves before she got home from work. And in those three hours, homework had to be done, house had to be clean, and I had to start the rice. Because Ecuadorianos, we eat rice with everything, like even soup. We just have a (laughs) cup of rice on the side. That was the responsibility. So I watched her have to struggle, have to, ba- I, she taught me how to balance a checkbook. She taught me how to pay bills. Like I would write the checks for her and we would stuff the envelopes and put stamps. And so knowing how to call Bank of America and put the numbers in and hear how much her balance was and balance and I would see how much she had left. I'm like, I can't possibly ask her for stuff. Like oh, I felt bad. Yeah. And I would see little things like having upon her jewelry and stuff like that sometimes, you know? So I just couldn't. So I started working early. And so work was just kind of like a, I just, freedom. Work was freedom. Okay. Because then I, if I wanted to buy a pair of shoes, I could buy a pair of shoes. Mm. If I wanted to go to Rosarito on spring break, I can go to Rosarito yes, on spring break. Girl. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just what I could do. And so over time, as I developed my career, it really became a big part of my identity. Like I wanted to succeed. I was a, I'm kind of like that gold star junkie, you know, <laughs> yes. like always, always, always ambition. Cool. Next. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Got the masters. What's next? Yes. Like, you know, so. Um, so that was just kind of career just kind of came with the territory because there was never a question of whether or not I was going to work. That was never a question. I have always working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because my grandma used to tell me since I was a little girl, you can't depend on a man. You have to figure out how you're going to support yourself. So she would ask me, what am I going to go to school for? And I always had to have an answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, me like shrugging my shoulders like pues no se, was not acceptable had to have a response so I had it made me think early on like how am I gonna you know and I I didn't know that marriage was gonna be a part of the program because I didn't see marriages in my family so I'm like okay I just knew I was gonna be a mom mm-hmm. like somehow I'm gonna be a mom but I may not be someone's wife and that's okay because mm-hmm. I have my career and I got my mom and I got my grandma you know just like my all my family rallied around us to raise each other I figured I'll be fine mm-hmm. um, but so working it would just kind of happen and then um, I got my bachelor's degree in business management. I, uh, bef- oh, but it's funny. Before that, I thought I was going to be a news anchor. Oh, okay. I went and got a, a, a certification in broadcast journalism from the Academy of Radio and Television oh, in Huntington okay. Beach. And then I graduated and said, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I never did it. But I'm able to use my broadcast coaching, uh, vocal coaching skills for my public speaking. So it worked out. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> full circle. But yeah, so business was just, I was like, okay, well, I'll just business degree. Mm-hmm. I figured business is broad. I can do whatever I want with it. So I went and got my bachelor's degree. I was working in the logistics chain while I was doing that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, and so I just started always consistently trying to drive myself. So I went and got a master's degree two years ago in business administration. And then, again, I'm like, okay, now what's next, right? And yes. so okay. when I had uh, – I switched jobs because I was working um, really long hours, and my job had become my identity. It was who I was. It was 80% of who I was, and 20% was everyone else. Mm-hmm. No self-care, no anything. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and my children, my mom, my friends all had to share 20%. And yeah, and so it led to a lot of unhealthy life patterns. And so I eventually hit a wall. My health started to deteriorate and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I need to stop. So I took a different job in in a sales role 
and I was able to work from home. I didn't have any direct reports. Mm-hmm. I was it was nice. So I was able to really inquiry what's going on here and focus on it because I was like I don't have depression. What is it? Imposter syndrome, anxiety? Yep. All those things. Yeah. (laughs) So I took some time to address that stuff. And after I addressed it and then I started changing how I showed up in the world and I saw how because when I was hustling, 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 I felt like I would achieve things, but it was so far fetched. Right. And now I don't I'm not hustling. I'm just showing up and sort of engaging my feminine energy and letting it come to me Mm -hmm. when in its right time. Right, trusting God to, you're ready. Yeah, and you're I'm putting, gonna send this your way. Yeah, and you're putting in the work, and when the yeah when the results come, it's like oh, because I, I was yeah. doing it. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not just twiddling my thumbs, yeah. right? But I'm not like hustling yeah. for it, and I'm not like where before it was like a hustle, mm-hmm. you know. And now it's like a journey mm-hmm. more than anything. Yeah. And so I figured after I I saw how my life changed, my my health. My relationship with myself, with my body, my parenting, my relationship with my husband, the way I picked friends around me, the way I was like, wow, I just, I'm just showing up and being me and this stuff is happening. I have to share this. Like the other women need to know that this is possible. So I wrote a book about it mm-hmm. and I had had people coming to me in my career for advice all the time. Michelle, my resume, can you could you do a mock interview with me? No problem. And I would help them. So I'm like, I'm good at that stuff. I can do that. So my book is a stepping stone, a guide to help people overcome any negative self-talk any, uh, and uh, tap into your own brilliance. What makes you you? What make, what's your, like, zone of genius, mm-hmm. right? Figure what that is. And then gives, it gives you career clarity, like, where you want to go. And then the next steps is, like, your resume and how to pick out the right jobs, how to negotiate for salaries. All that's in here. So that people can can like, okay, now that I'm very clear on who I am and what I want, here's what I do next. And so and I do that in my coaching program more one on one with people who want a little more hands on help. And now that you're talking about your coaching program and like if any Latina out there who's listening, what can ex- what can they expect once they're like, you know, they read Own Your Brilliance and they're like, Okay, I'm ready for the next step. I want Michelle to coach me. What can they expect in your program? It's an eight-week program, so you will expect that um, you will get very – I'm a very tough coach. I just want to be very clear, okay, guys? I think like needed, though. I, yeah, I am not going to shoot glitter up your butt. I'm not. <laughs> I am not going to tell you what you want to hear. I am going to – because a lot of times when I do speak to Latinas, women in general, they're – so influenced on what the world tells them they want to do or they should be doing, right? So it's like, no, what do you really, really want to do? What do you want? What do you want your daily life to look like? So I first help you design clarity. Okay. What do you clearly want? Because I see women do it all the time, just applying for jobs, just to apply for jobs. And it's like, do you? but do you really want that job? Is it an alignment? Do you have a list of non-negotiables? Like, I will not negotiate this. This is... This is, I will not back back down on this. This is, I need to have this. And it, those things are usually financial mm-hmm. or a work environment situation or uh, flexibility because you have children, you know, whatever the situation may be. Or it's, and you know, Latinos, it's not, it's parenting. A lot of us have parents that we're taking care of. Like having an ailing parent or an aging parent is like having a second job, yeah. you know. If you have a child that has a health issue, that's a that's a component, right? Mm-hmm. If you have kids that are involved in things, that's a component. Yeah. And so, it, it 
I see so many women having difficulty having those conversations because they're concerned like it's going to cost me an opportunity. It's going to cost you the wrong opportunity. The right opportunity for you will show up clearly when you stand behind your standards. So working with me, you will understand your standards. We're going to get very clear on what you're about, what you want to do, what you want. You you can wake up every morning and be excited about going to this work, this job because you not only enjoy the job, but you enjoy the accommodation that they've made for you because they value you. And when you show up and you know your worth, you can advocate for yourself. You can negotiate for yourself because that's what that's what corporate wants now. It's less about saying it well it's, it's like they want they see your character mm-hmm. they see how you you know how you're here that saying how you do one thing is how you do everything you ever heard that i haven't but yeah, okay first. <laughs> how you do one thing is how you do everything okay so if you're a if you're a diligent responsible capable competent person in many areas of your life i mean it's 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 sort of a setting about you that's who you are that's what they want on your on their payroll mm. you know it, you can be an academic. You can be a PhD and be an asshole. Nobody wants that. Yeah. You can be someone who's coachable, respected, likes working in a team environment. Whatever it is that people are like, that's what we want. We can teach you the mechanics. We can teach you the system. Mm-hmm. You know, you get you, we'll get you in the training. We'll have you mirror people. We'll you'll get you'll get caught on, but it's the attitude. Yes. That's that's what people want, and I think that's that's why it's clear. Like, let's. What are you about? Because that is how you're going to resonate with people when you get in front of an interview. And my whole approach to interviewing is very different. It's something that the other people don't, when they hear it, they're like, huh. I, yeah, I'll share it with you guys if you want. <laughs> but anyway, just to answer your question, that's what you'll get. You'll get clarity. You'll get clear steps and accountability. Um, I'll also In my program, I also have a top-notch recruiter that comes in and shares some insight, a bonus training on common pitfalls and mistakes that people make when they're doing job searches or they're promoting. So that's a part of it. And then um, have you guys heard of Lean In? No. Sheryl Sandberg. She wrote the book Lean In. Okay. Sheryl Sandberg is the COO of Facebook. Oh. Okay. So (laughs) Lean In has Lean In Latinas. And it's a it's a foundation of nonprofit about empowering Latinas, and they have these Lean In circles. Anyway, the founder of Lean In Latinas is also in the course, and she provides a training on the importance of negotiating higher salaries. Mm-hmm. I mean, she does it. She 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 sees it all the time. She goes, I, I interview women, and they never negotiate up. They always take the first offer. Meanwhile, I interview a man, he'll always ask for more. Always. So I'm like, okay, so if anyone who coaches with me, I will not let you take the first offer. Just know that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that because I believe that whenever I, like, I go into another interview and I look at the price and I'm like, am I worth that? Like, is that my worth? And then I'm like, I don't even know how to even begin the conversation of like, how do I ask for more and how much is asking too much? Sure. You know what I mean? And you'll get clarity on that in my program. Because oh, there's support to understand what the market allows mm-hmm. so that um, when you, you get clear on your number, right? But it's it's not always a number. Sometimes it's perks. Sometimes it's benefits, you know, that you need included in your package. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of times we just take what we can get mm-hmm. and don't ask the question because we don't want to be difficult. Yeah. We want to be seen as difficult and we're, we're like, pushing oh, they like me. I didn't know they liked me. Like, okay, so I guess I'll take it. Well, yeah. <laughs> and that's the other thing with, with ambitious women in corporate America, this – it's nice to be liked, 
it's nice, mm-hmm. but being liked doesn't get you paid. Yeah. Secure the bag, honey. Okay, we got to do that first. Yes. So that's <laughs> so I, you will be liked for carrying yourself as somebody who values her worth, because when you do that, you make space for other women to charge their worth, for other women to say, "No, this is what I need," and that you'd be like, "Of course, absolutely." And in fact, and I hear it all the time. I mean. Even like when a, a male would would be able to respect your your position, he won't do it outwardly in front of people. But then when you like side by, he like, hey, good job going in for that signing bonus. I never take a new job without without one. Nice work. You know, like it's <laughs> yeah. these are things that like it's out, and the worst you can. Everyone's so afraid of the word no. Ask. Mm-hmm. Let them say no first. You know, or or a counter offer. You know, but. Sometimes we just, oh, okay, that's the offer. Okay, great. When do I start? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. There's this fear of, like, if I say no, they'll choose someone else. I'll say yes. And if they do choose someone else, that just means that that wasn't the role for you. Yeah. So I can tell you guys, if you guys want to hear my take on interviewing. Yes. You ready? Yes, it's gonna be Okay, ready? Interviewing, listen up, ladies. Interviewing is like dating. Okay? Okay. Let's say we're dating. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I'm going to take you on a date, and it's a it's a blind date. Okay. I ask you a ton of questions. So when was your last relationship? What do you look for in a, in a boyfriend? You know, what do you do for a living? Do you want to have children someday? How do you feel about marriage? Like, I just, ton of questions yeah. at you, right? And you answer everything, right? <laughs> you answer everything, right? And then after my line of questioning, I say, you know what, Brenda? I think you're great. You're my girlfriend. Congratulations. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what would you say? You would say, um, um, I haven't even asked you anything yeah. yet, and I still got to fill you out <laughs> to see if I even want a second date. Like, yeah, you're welcome, like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. And so what happens in an interview, we give away such energy of submission, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that you're interviewing me, and I have to say everything right to impress you so that you give me this job. Mm-hmm. If you work with me, there needs to, you need to go into an interview with empowerment, and I'm going to make it very clear for you. This is you need to be studied up on this company that you're going to interview. Because how do you know what the company culture is like? Why is that position even available? What's the turnover like? What's the leadership like? What's the, what's the, the the vision or the mission of the company? Like, are, do, are they in alignment with your values? You know, like if you're big on social responsibility or advocacy work or you know, whatever mm-hmm. foundation you're into, or if you're vegan and you don't let, you know, they're a meat company, that's probably not going to yeah. work for you, yeah. right? So we're not clear on what we want, what we value. So therefore, you go into this like, okay, I just have to impress them. No, this is a date. You have every right to ask your line of questioning. You have every right to find out what they got going on. Mm-hmm. And what it, well, what let's, why do I want to work here? Why do you work here, interviewer? Why do you keep coming back every Monday? What keeps you excited about being here? This is how you're clear on whether you even want the job. They have to convince you. It, it's both it's, ways. Yeah, it's both it has ways. to be a mutually beneficial relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can't get clear on that if you don't come into an interview empowered. You have to have that line of questioning. You have to have clarity on what you want and be able to pick up on red flags. And so when I when we do prepare our clients for interview, we do go over that line of questioning with you. We do get help you create questions that align with your values so that you can pick up on that stuff. You know, like mm-hmm. if it's dating. Like if yeah. you're a vegan, 
right? How do you feel? Do you eat a lot of meat? Do you eat a lot of red meat? And if somebody's like, yeah, you know what? Oh, big carnivore. Yeah, I love You're it. Like, I love uh, it. You're going to be like, mm, no. red flag for me. Yeah. To that person, it's like, that's weird. Red, you know, she asked me about red meat. Why would she do that? Because, But if that's yeah. your line of questioning, because that's your value system, mm -hmm. then again, so I, I, that's my take on interviewing. It's, it should be, this is what I bring to the table as far as talent and capability and willingness to do this job. What do you bring to the table that makes me want to align my talent with your opportunity? Perfect. That. Yeah. It's the same thing with dating. I'm great. Let's see if you're great. Mm -hmm. You know, and here's what, here's me and my ball of issues. Let's see if your ball of issues, we can make it work. <laughs> and uh, we can stand and not kill each other, right? Like, so, yeah. so it's, that's j just like I would never, I mean, like that yeah. scenario I just gave you a dating. You would never I like, would, okay, cool. I guess yeah. my boyfriend now. Like, no. But, yeah, right? Yeah. But I mean, how many times you walk out an interview like, okay, well, I guess I got the job. Did it yeah. feel great? Did you even ask your questions? Did you get clear? Like, how do you know? Yeah. So. I do the same. I've done the same thing in my own career, and so I know it works. And it's funny, just like dating, in corporate structure, when you're interviewing for positions, play hard to get. People yes. like it. Guys don't like it. I mean, same thing. Yeah. You go on a date yes. with a guy, you're like, I think you're so cute. Guess what? I brought my toothbrush. <laughs> I'm staying the night. I'm moving in tomorrow. Me and my dog. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's just you yeah. know, people just jump in, you know, because they think I've. I've impress them mm -hmm. and it's it's less about impression you just got to know your worth you got to know your value and show up that way so that they get they're clear on what they're getting but also be be ready to ask them the hard questions it they it's, it impresses them honestly i get the feedback i get from clients uh, when they hear back from people it's like wow you know you really asked some really hard questions i was very and you had me thinking Good. Yeah, yeah exactly so it, and it's less stressful the interview is more now like a blind date no you know it's yeah. just it's it's non-committal we're just having coffee let's not get crazy yeah mm -hmm. i love that i've never seen interviews that way like yeah. yeah show me what you got bring what you got to the table like yeah. I mean, <laughs> we just have to do it diplomatically right we yes just, okay, exactly. so <laughs> i read in the i read in the uh washington post about your company's recent acquisition so tell me about that mm -hmm. you know like what was that about how is that being, you know, welcomed in the country, in the company? Yeah. Uh, have you experienced a lot of turnover since then? You know, these are the questions. Like, oh, that sounded professional like that. <laughs> you know? so, but, the, but this is why, yeah, when you work with me, your jargon's going to change. Um, so that people, because we work in a society that people automatically judge your level of intelligence. Yes. When you misspeak or you mistype. Or <laughs> you have an accent. Mm. That's so hard, right? Yes. So, um, so yeah, that's the, that's what you would get in my program. Wow, and that's a long-winded answer. But. No, I love it. <laughs> I'll give us all the information. I know I've definitely left interviews, and they're like, "Great, you have the job," or like hanging up from a call and like saying, "Like, oh, they got the job," and I was like, "I don't know if I got all my questions in, but you know what? I got the job, so I might as well just ask when I'm there already," which is probably the worst thing to do. Um, and for um, we were looking through guys go visit her Instagram page. It's like inspirational enough too that you just want to delve into her book and into her um, Facebook series and everything that she has to offer you guys. Um, but for resume writing, I know that I have a lot of people that come to me about resumes and I used to be like on it about resumes and really good. And then something just like stopped, like I stopped helping with resumes or something. And then I just started to doubt myself a lot with like resume writing. Mm. So like, do you think that there is like 
well, I have a couple questions. <laughs> do you think there's like one resume that's perfect for like to send out to everybody or do you have to fine tune every resume or do you have any great resume tips that you can give our listeners? Um, I, I don't think one resume will work every time until um, you've reached a certain degree of clout, if I may say. Right. Okay. So if you've. Um, yeah, if you've like got like masters and PhDs and all that stuff on your resume and you've got all these years of experience and like really fancy whatever, like yeah, great. But if you are trying to tap into a new industry or you're coming out of school for the first time or maybe you're coming out of um, you know, working at Starbucks or Forever 21 or anything like that. And now you want to go into like a nine to five, like corporate job for the first time, you know, mm -hmm. then um, you may have your resume overlooked if it's kept what's called a a chronological resume. So chronological resume is like, but you know, timeline, right? Mm -hmm. So if your timeline at a high school has been a few years and all you have is worked at Starbucks and worked at Forever 21 or like answered phones at my dad's job or whatever, you know what I mean? Like that may not be taken as seriously, right? So what I, what I recommend in that sense is to have a functional resume and a mm -hmm. functional resume more highlights your talent, you know, like responsible, capable, bilingual, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, task oriented, great with presentations, uh, comfortable public speaking. These are things that are, you, you share your function of who you are as a person, and and it let it, it has a way of not highlighting your lack of experience. Ooh. Right. So mm -hmm. that's a great way. And then as you you know get your foot in the door, then you'll have you start to develop you know, and you can eventually transition back to a chronological resume at that point if you're trying to elevate in your current industry. You know, like I'm going to stay in the industry, but I want to go for a bigger name or I want to go for a different position. And so then the chronological actually helps you because it's like, oh, she got into the company, you know, in the industry in, nine, you know, 2017. And by 2019, she's already promoted to management. So that's wow. In two years, she was able to do that. You know, so mm -hmm. it shows, you know, it shows in your favor. But when you're first starting, I think a fu functional resume works for those who are just starting or if you're leaving the industry. Like if you were in finance your whole life and now you want to get into analytics, right? Mm. So it, to highlight your functional, your functions of your talents that you've worked on in those years in finance. And then that way it's not a deterrent when you try to jump into analytics or tech or whatever you're trying to do. Because, you know, it may, it may work in, in against you if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, and even with resumes, um, now with all these companies using ATSs, yeah. Yeah. So that, that I find that it just disqualifies people all the time. Like, oh, you didn't meet the minimum criteria. What is ATS is? Sorry. <laughs> um, applicant tracking system. Okay. So what they do is a lot of companies will post a job, right? And then the applicant tracking system will have, will, people will submit their resumes and it kind of scans the resume into the system mm -hmm. and it'll tell you or tells the employer if this com if this person meets the minimum requirements. So mm -hmm. I've worked with clients to overcome that stuff too. Actually just shared one recently, um, Maritza. She's, she's somebody I worked with and she um, had a resume for a position she had been trying to get in and even like she even knew someone on the inside that's like we you would be perfect for this and she's like I can't get through that damn ATS system it keeps rejecting my resume oh, wow. says that I'm not meeting the minimum requirements so I'm like well send me your resume so we worked on it together we made some quick adjustments looking at what the position was and with the adjustments that she and I we spent an hour working on it together she got she not only got through the process she got the interview and she got the job so wow Good job, Maritza. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's so happy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is beautiful. Um, so 
for all the Latinas that are listening out there and maybe even for your younger self, because uh, we hope that like our young audience is listening to this because this is a really great episode for you to listen to if you're changing industries, if you are like in your 30s, 60s, whatever age you're in, like if you're changing industries or looking for a job right out of high school or college, um, what advice do you have to Latinas and maybe the younger generation or even like speaking to your younger self? Um, well, if I would speak to my younger self, I would tell her, stop looking for outside validation to be who you are. Mm. Everything you need is inside you. It really is. Um, it's nice to try to fix everything and everyone, but, um, and for those who, when you get a chance to read my book, um, I have a story about my brother. My brother, um, struggled with addiction, still struggles to this day in and out of prison and, and, you know, having an absentee father, you know, I just, one of the reasons why I was so goal driven was because I just wanted to make everyone proud mm -hmm. and I thought it would fix everything. Like I thought my dad would somehow hear through the grapevine like Michelle's doing great things like she's getting her bachelor's degree she's getting a man you know she's getting married she's bought a house like and he would like somehow hear about it and like be inspired to come back and be this like great guy to me and he never came so I felt like an imposter like wow I'm all the, all the world is telling me how great I am but my own father won't even pick up the phone and acknowledge a thing, right? And then like my brother getting in trouble, my mom being down on herself about like, I'm such a terrible parent, look at my son, he's drug addicted and in prison, and I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna be the poster child, I'm gonna, I'm gonna achieve everything so that she can see that she was a good mom. Because I would try to tell her like, mom, no, you know, life is comprised of choices. Those are the choices he made. These are the choices I'm making. You're still a great mom, mm -hmm. you know? And when I felt like I was achieving things and she would, be happy for me, but then a little bit of pain, you know, every a mother is only as happy as her saddest child. So she would see the sadness and the pain and what's going on in his life. And it was difficult for her to be happy for me, not because she doesn't love me, but it's just because she's, you know, seeing her son struggle. And so, but I just, so I would, I would tell my younger self, like, do everything that you're going to do for you. And you're enough the way you are. You don't need him to come back in your life and, and validate you. You don't need to fix your brother and his mis like. I, it took me a long while for God for me to accept that God was like, he's my son. Give him to me. I got it. You know, like it's not your problem. You, I have entrusted you with these two girls, Madeline and Michaela. That I will hold you accountable for. Accountable for. But him, he's mine. Let him go. So it, that, but that took a lot. It took a lot. And writing this book helped me work through that. Mm -hmm. So I would tell myself, stop trying to fix everything and everyone. You, you just got to do this for you. And, and so, and to the, anyone else out there, Latinas, especially, I know we, we, I see it right now with all these graduation photos of everybody paying them homage to their immigrant parents out in the fields and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I know you guys like want to do well so that you can say they didn't come over here in vain. All their sacrifices weren't in vain. Look at, I'm going to do, do and be great things. And that's wonderful ladies. That's a beautiful sentiment. Absolutely. But take time to really just look at yourself in the mirror and give yourself credit for what you've done, what you've accomplished. You have to end every day with just a quick look in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm proud of you. You've done a really good job. Everything you've earned up to this point is well-deserved and you're gonna do great things because only that way can people truly get more than just the degree. They're gonna get the you. They're gonna get the, the, the yeah. woman in this position. I wanna cry. <laughs> I <know. laughs>
<laughs> no, because it's so true. It's so true. It's something that I think every Latina lives and grows up to. Like, you're so focused on making your parents proud of, you know, demonstrating that it wasn't in vain that they're here, right? And you being able to write this and just coming out of that maybe pull that you were going through and those obstacles. And it's amazing to see you right now and, like, I haven't accomplished everything. Yeah, I know. It's It really has been a beautiful journey, Anna, and it doesn't, I mean, the things that kept me broken are still broken. Mm-hmm. You know, my father's still not around. My brother, I just heard yesterday from my mom that he's back in, back in jail. So, I mean, what can I do, right? All I can do is be happy for me and the amazing husband I've been blessed with and the two beautiful children and being around women like you and getting in front of, I mean, in February, I spoke at Harvard at the Latinas Empowerment and Development Conference. I spoke into a room of beautiful Latinas from all over Harvard, Yale, Stanford, um, Wellesley. These were brilliant Latinas from all over, Dominicans, Panamanians, Puerto Ricans, Cubans. I mean, it was just the most beautiful two and a half days in Cambridge, Massachusetts ever. And I'm like, this is why I'm doing this. Because, because I mean, I love working with women my age and older, of course, you know, but it's also, you know, the, the younger generation who can't, maybe can't pay for my services yeah. right now. I can at least empower them in other ways. Yeah. And where can you know, young Latinas find you. Will you have a next event? Where they can, where can they go? You know, after reading your book, getting your coaching program, where can they you know look for, um, for you? You can certainly find me on my website. Mm-hmm. It's um, www.michelle, m i c h e l l e middle initial m for my mamita Marta, my grandma. Aww. That's my name, Marta. For her. <laughs> uh, Michelle M Gomez, G O M E Z dot com. You can find me on there. You can find me on Instagram at mg success coach dot mg success at mg success coach yeah sorry you find me there and i have a facebook business a facebook business page you guys can reach me at as well um the course my next uh, eight week course is going to be opening the week of june 10th so i'm still accepting students to be a part of that program so whether you're trying to transition promote or you just want to elevate your current job by having some being empowered to have some difficult decisions with your boss and not sure how to do it then this course is for you um, and uh, if, as far as an event, I am going to have a booth uh, at Latina Fest in August. Oh, yeah. So whoever is going, it's on August 25th. It's on a Sunday. It's here in L.A. Um, so if you guys look up that, that event, it's really awesome. It's like a full-day immersion of, like, Latina excellence. So um, feel free to come by, get a copy of my book. I'll, I'm signing books that day. So, um, And I'll be, uh, be able to provide a free complimentary 30-minute career strategy session with any of your listeners. So you go to my website, you get free strategy session with me, schedule a call. I'd be happy to jump on and see how we can help. Is there a code that, you know, our listeners can, you know, put or? Um, yeah. I mean, when they go schedule, if they can put in the comments, like, uh, your, uh, yeah. Ella, Ella's the podcast, I'll know it's them. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Thank you so much, Michelle. This conversation was inspiring you know we would love to have you back on the show oh my, i would love are you kidding my kids are having such a great time here like they're if i say hey we're gonna go back with the brendas they're like totally mom let's go to rodeo drive yeah so yeah this was awesome i would be honored to come back oh thank you God. so much thank, thank you so much so much and i hope you found this conversation inspiring and 
you know, to empower yourself and to find yourself that you are worthy and that whatever you accomplish, it is because you did it and that you don't need validation from the rest. Well said. Well said. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you. Follow us at Ellas the Podcast. That is E double L A S the Podcast. Or you can email us if you want to be on the show. It's Ellas the Podcast at gmail.com. Join us again in two weeks for another episode. And thank you for listening. I am Brenda Hernandez. And I am Brenda DeShazer. And this is Ella. Ellas is co-hosted by Brenda DeShazer and me, Brenda Hernandez. Thanks to our editor and producer, D.F. DeShazer II. And thank you to Shro, who created our theme song. This is a yes. Cool. Cool. Yes.